Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. If you want to be on the show, you can DM us there. Uh, for anyone who wants to listen to the show or grow through podcasts, you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And with that being said, I have Chrysanthius Span of Miss Spuds uh, out of New York, uh, New York, basically, Brooklyn, New York. And how are you doing today? I am well this morning, Justin. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm tripping over myself a little bit today, as, <laughs> as we can tell from this podcast and how long it took us to get this started this morning. Um, it's okay. We'll get it together. Thank you for having me. No, I appreciate it. And like, let's talk about your story. How'd you become, a f- like, let's talk about your history. Like, where'd you grow mm-hmm. up? Did you grow up in a, in a family of entrepreneurs and a family that loved food? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a starter. I mean, mm-hmm. talk about your journey and how you got to where you are. It's all yours. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. So I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Um, and uh, I grew up in church. My grandmother was a minister and we had a congregation of over 200 people. Um, she, <laughs> she owned, um, let me see, she was the founder of St. Timothy Holy Church in Brownsville where she um, acquired a building, an old Jewish synagogue um, for a dollar back in the 60s. And with that, this, <laughs> this Congress, this, a dollar, a dollar yeah. I kid you not, one dollar, one crazy. single dollar. It's not <laughs> a true story. <laughs> um, and with that, she grew her church. She already had a church that was a small storefront, but you know, the church was growing and acquired the, the building. And this building became one of the most, um, uh, in, um, inspiring, influential, most important places for the community. So the congregation grew and grew to more than 200 people. This was in the the early 60s and 70s. And with that, um, you know, families families became closer. You you met your first friends there. Um, you know, we had lots of events between the um, congregations. Um, uh, barbecues, um, block, you know, block parties, all these things. And all these things lent, allowed us to um, have food, you know, we, and th- these are the things that brought people together, you know, after services, there was dinner or lunch or dinner because we had three services <laughs> throughout the day. And after each ser- service, there was maybe a snack and the late one was, was um, lunch and dinner. And as a child growing up, because I was the pastor granddaughter like between myself and my siblings and you know some of the other church children we would have to serve the elders and and members and things like that so you know that's where my my um the foundation of service came from you know before we were able to eat we had to serve them make sure that they were okay because we had a lot of energy we weren't really focused on eating we wanted to play right but before then we had to take care of everyone else um and I remember, like, it's so, such a wonderful story that everything ties into who I am and where I am today with my business. Um, so I learned about food. I, I watched my elders um, pre- prepping and cooking. I mean, so 
it's so such a wonderful um, foundation, so rooted in African American history. Um, and this could apply to anybody's history and their family, but for me, this is where it comes from, just watching them prepare food, like picking peas and picking greens and, you know, you know, making sure you get the fresher ones opposed to some that have overgrown. You may get like a little bit of, you know, debris or something in there, cleaning chicken, separating, making biscuits and all these wonderful staples, food staples for African-Americans. I mean, between frying the chicken, watching just the mixing of the fresh biscuits, Oh my God, making biscuits and gravy, all these wonderful things that I learned, you know, just by watching and as I grew up became a part of that experience, um, wanting to to be a part of what makes this whole situation, um, this whole machine, you know what I mean? Because what happens in the kitchen, the end result is these people are so satisfied in the in the cafeteria where they're eating the, the finished product and people are mingling and they're, they're talking and they're laughing and they're loving on one another and all of this is brought to them through food. Um, and I was a part, I felt like, I felt I was a part of that, you know, just being in the kitchen and, and, and just doing my little part, even if I had to wash dishes or, you know, shut the peas or if I, you know, let me mix something, let me make the drinks or something. I wanted to be a part of that. I was a busy little girl. Um, and <clears throat> one of the things that I remember specifically, this is, um, this is uh, the main staple of my, my story is when we were serving, I remember the tray. It was a tray. It was a tray that had three levels and was on wheels and it will allow you to serve multiple plates at a time. Like you can serve like 15 plates at a time because of this little cart, this push cart that had levels on it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And as we're serving, you know, serving people, sometimes we would run out of salad dressing. Like you get a full meal, you get the, you know, your meat, your starch and your vegetable. And sometimes we have salad and the salad, sometimes we run out of salad dressing. So I go, grandma, we've run out of salad dressing. What are we going to do? Like everything was a, a, an urgency for me. Like every, you needed to have everything on your plate in order to enjoy, you know, I didn't know about, <clears throat> excuse me, I didn't know about, um, uh, uh, substituting things. This is where I learned about substituting and making things work. You know, grandma said, honey, put I some ketchup this. and mayo together and put that, mix that ketchup and mayo together and put it on that salad and go feed those people. The most important thing was making sure that everyone got something to eat. They had a complete meal and it was satisfying. It was, you know, it was, it was just about completing and serving people and making sure that they were satisfied. So with that, I was like, well, this is interesting. We're going to put ketchup and mayo together. And <laughs> I dipped my pinky in it. And I was like, whoa, I made, first of all, I made salad dressing. Okay. And then I made delicious salad dressing. But I love food also. I love this. Right? And it's, I'm it's the so kind great. Of kid, yeah, I'm the kind of kid that will try almost anything, anything like in order for me to say, no, I don't like that. I need to try it right in order to be definitive and say, for sure, I do not like this. However, I dipped my finger in that salad dressing and I was like, whoa, this is what ketchup and mayo can do. Hmm. 
I had a French fry one day <laughs> because French fries are also my favorite food. And I said, you know what? Let me try this. Let me dip this, make some ketchup and mayo on my own time and at home or whatever. And I never turned back, never turned back from the time that I was a child, a kid. I think I've eaten ketchup in me. I don't care if it was McDonald's. I don't care if it was Wendy's. I don't care if it was a diner. Honey, if you give me a side of ketchup, you need to give me a side of mayo because that's the only way I'm going to eat it. Henceforth. Uh, can I pause you for a second? Yes, yeah, sure, sure. I love this. One is French fry was my first word ever. Everyone talks about it. Like, <laughs> I'm hugely addicted to McDonald's French fries. I'm like so addicted to French Same. fries that I literally have Same. gained probably a little bit of an allergy to them where my hands peel a little bit oh, no. from the white <laughs> potato. So now I do sweet potatoes, French fries yeah. as much as I can get. I've always figured out a way. Yeah. But I will say something. It's interesting that you talk about ketchup because I don't like ketchup yeah. at all. Um, I don't yeah. I don't know if I've ever had for weirdly it's way too sweet for me for savory mm-hmm. food and yeah. so but I do I do like it when it's mixed with mayo because it cuts mm-hmm. the sweetness that's mm-hmm. one I can tolerate it or actually enjoy it uh, depending on the the ratio the second yeah. part about it is the wherever you go the french fries like i can totally relate to your story actually like Mm -hmm. there's a couple things here i'm gonna say one is is french fry like is the first food i ever became obsessed with like i really love cheeseburgers but they come with french fries Mm -hmm. or potato chips okay Mm -hmm. Uh, depending Mm -hmm. on the establishment and but the french fries are always like there were years where I went without French fries because I had developed an allergy and I miss them so much. And it's really like I eat French fries any chance I can get right now because I figured out how to balance out my diet differently so I can do French fries all the time. And and I'm going to leave everyone with this and I'm going to let you tell your story from here also. Sorry to interrupt, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. But here's the weirdest thing. The first dream I ever remember having about business was that I was like the McDonald's CEO and I was in charge of of bringing French fries to every home in the world. It was the weirdest dream. I remember it still to this day. I was probably like four or five years old, but it was like very surrounding French fries. And, And when you and I started talking on Instagram, I weirdly started having some dreams like that again about French fries. And I I dream very vividly. Like my dreams are very vivid, bad, good, indifferent. They're very Mm -hmm. reality-based. And it's interesting that you say that because I like, I didn't even know that this is where we're going to talk about it. And it's like I dreamt about it last night and now we're talking about it, which I guess French fries were on my mind. So maybe I put it there, but I'm not (laughs) sure, you know? So anyway, continue your story. I really love this and I love French fries and, and Belgian fries and any kind of fry, but you know, American fry, whatever they're going to call it, but go on, please. So what, so what I've learned about, what I've learned about the French fry, it's not really about the French fry. It's really about the potato. And I learned that I love potatoes so much. I love potatoes so much because of what they can do for you, right? What you can do with it and what they can do for you, right? You can do anything. You can make Belgian fries. You can make waffle fries. You can make home fries. You can, you see what I'm saying? You can make shoestrings. You can make hash browns. You can make whatever you want. You, this little what this one piece of vegetable, this one vegetable can create so many different things and change a dish and elevate it so much 
that you you can't go wrong. Like you cannot say like, uh, I don't want to put a big, come on, a baked potato. Like as simple as that is, it, it literally can be a meal, you know? So it's Absolutely. one of the reasons Absolutely. I love the potato. And it's literally gotten us through because my mom, my mom, um, my mom, single mom of four children. It was myself, my my sister, and my two brothers. One of my my youngest brother passed away. But growing up, she was a single mom and going to work, going to work at night, going to school in the daytime. Like we really had to fend for ourselves, right? And you know, it wasn't a problem for me because I knew how to cook. I was not afraid of the kitchen. I was willing to explore. And honey, we had potatoes. <laughs> we always had potatoes, and we had potatoes because of my 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 church, my church experience. We also had a food pantry, and henceforth, I run my family's food pantry today. Okay, you are talking decades, well, almost half a century later. I'm running my family's food pantry. This also ties into my story being an, an entrepreneur. You know, it was about, it, it, you know, it's really about feeding the people and making sure they have, you know, real food, good food, stuff that's going to sustain them and things that are that they can literally make more than one dish with. You know what I mean? You have to have that variety so you don't get bored of food and you have to use the food. You know, you have to use it. You don't want it to go to waste. And to me, potato is that thing. So growing up, we had this potato. And for me, if we wanted to eat, we had to cook for ourselves. And it was easy for me because I was going to make French fries. That was it. That was my meal. A little bit of salt and, a little bit of salt and pepper. Make, make some grandma's original. This is now what I call the ketchup and mayo sauce on this bus food truck. Is grandma's original dipping sauce. It is one of our best sellers. People love it because it's simple and it's delicious and they don't want just ketchup. Like from this bunch, you can't just get anything. You just can't you just can't get something simple. You know, we try to elevate our menu for you to have an enjoyable an enjoyable meal. But digressing a little, um, I this is where my love of food comes from. It's it's partly food, it's partly service. And these are, you know, the churches where I received that foundation from, um, the love of service, you know, making sure that people have what they need. I love how they respond, the, the way they react, how people come together, how they um, they congregate, how they fellowship with one another, you know, um, food just brings people together. And I love that. I love that. I love this too. And, um, one of the things I'm going to say on this is one, I agree with this 100%. Like I love food, but I always was like, oh man, I wish I had a sibling that was a chef because, you know, if I could have a business partner, there's a chef, but I could go focus on bringing the food to the people and the, the connections yeah. like the, and networking. That's what I'm really good at. Um, because yeah. it's hard to be both the cook and the network in mm -hmm. a business. Um, it's just mm -hmm. hard to build relationships that way. In my experience, when mm -hmm. you're when you're in your business, you're not working on your business, which is building those relationships. And um, I just I find that totally true. Um, I want to I want to let you keep talking. I I think I interrupted you, and I, I apologize. But I wanted to just add in some commentary there. Um, mm -hmm. But um, we're, we're, I keep going, but I, I do want to ask a question before I forget it, which is like, what experiences did growing up in the food pantry, I think that's what you said, it, you called it the family's mm -hmm. business. 
um, what like what values like what business values I think I like really want to dive into this because I have like such not the same background but a similarity and like I mm-hmm. feel like a very mm-hmm. si- similar energy to you so what were those things that you learned back then like in business like what were you learning from your parents I mean it's kind of crazy because yeah. most kids don't get that experience anymore of growing up in a family business or mm-hmm. a family-ish business mm-hmm, go on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, one of the things, not one, but I've learned multiple things, was the food, number one, was donated, right? And the one thing I learned was that you don't have to pay for everything, <laughs> okay? But you are able to get free food if you have the right um, connection, the, the right relationship, and you have a meaningful purpose. Okay, where's this food? It's not just for you. You don't want to get free food just for you. Who are you getting food for? It needs to be meaningful. It needs to be going. It has to have some direction. And um, some of the other things I learned was working with people, you know, um, being responsible for people, being responsible for um, uh, a community, really. Um, and making sure that they get what they need and they get good and quality food enough to feed their family. You know, you don't want them, you want, you want to help them at least for the week. You know, you don't want them going hungry. You don't want them to have to worry about anything. So you give them, um, what they need to help them survive and, and, and be hopeful. You don't want anybody going hungry. Like things like that lead to other things, other negative things. And you want people to be hopeful. You want them to be inspired. You want them to sleep well, you know? And these are things that I think about. Like I believe in the domino effect of things, cause and effect, you know? And everything has a purpose. You need to be purposeful. You need to be um, inspirational. You need to be intentional with everything that you do. And I was, I was always that kind of kid, right? I'm not doing anything just to be doing it. It has to have a purpose. Um, I learned about inventory. I learned about, um, about, uh, managing your time. You know, your, your life is not your own, you know, you're lending this this time and space to other people. I learned about purpose. I learned about all these things. Time and time is money, you know, and you have to be considerate. You have to uh, have pride in what you do. You know, you don't, especially in a pantry situation, you're coming from a space where people are feeling disenfranchised, underserved communities. And for them to have to take something for free it may make them feel uh, uh, not so word, not less of a person. What's the word am, am I looking for? That like they lack a bit of pride, that they're not doing enough in, uh, in their life. Like they have to take uh, a handout, you know. But when I deliver this food, this box, this bag, these items to you, I'm looking you in your eye for you to know that everything's going to be all right. It happens sometimes. These things happen sometimes. It's not the end of the world. Everything's going to be okay. Take this and do what you need to do for your family. Okay. And come again. We, if we're here to provide these things for you, this is for you. Come and get it. Don't feel any way about it. You know, it's about reinforcing and reinstilling pride in yourself. Sometimes we have to do what we have to do. You know, life is imperfect for everyone. And when you're in a service driven business, 
you want to make sure what you're giving to a recipient, you're giving it with care, you're giving it with concern, you're giving it with love, you're giving it with, you know, and pride. You want people to feel good. You want people to feel good. Well, what are you doing it for? What are you doing it for? I'm not here to waste time. Time is money. I'm trying to live my dash and make sure that people's other people's dashes have meaning. I really love this a lot. Like you're so in the similar path. Like I'm like, I love the the community. I love the focus on the human as a whole. And I love that you look at the experience and the human journey, like the, for lack of a better term, the human condition um, and what might happen because, and I think it's hugely important. And I'm going to be careful when I say this because sometimes like I recently with my stepdaughter got in trouble for passing on and networking her uh, and her career as a professional CrossFit athlete. And she's like, you need to ask me before you network. So I'm, I'm going to do a better job of that. But I'm just an entrepreneur. So I'm like always connecting people. But I want to connect yeah. you because I think in there's a gentleman in um, runs Urban Vegan Roots and Urban Vegan Kitchen, and he's around a mm-hmm. lot of community and a gentleman named Sugar Ray who's in the community and heavily involved in Queens and Brooklyn and, and trying to get New mm-hmm. York City to help out the underprivileged, um, uh, I guess, unseen really is a better word to describe yeah. it. Unseen, yeah. um, underprivileged would not, I don't know that that's even an accurate statement. I don't know it's a word used, but I don't think it's accurate. I think it's actually <laughs> unseen. And, um, uh-huh. and they're under, they're underserved. Yes, they're that's underserved. exactly it. Yep. Completely underserved. It's, and, and let me interrupt you quickly because, and, and when I say that, I mean that specifically to the point that when some of these families, these people are going to get, uh, services, they literally can be denied because they're short. They don't meet the, uh, they don't meet the, uh, I forget the word, the, 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 the amount to qualify them for a service by a dollar, by 40 cents. So they will be denied a complete, um, a complete service for their family, like healthcare or, or um, SNAP, food, uh, food stamps or that benefit. You understand what I'm saying? So yeah, this is under, like, how do, how do we make these decisions, right? Like, to me, it's unfair. And going back to where you said about the dollar and for the pantry and stuff like that, um, and the church mm-hmm. or the synagogue, like mm-hmm. the city should, the city of New York and every city in America should be doing a lot more of things like that now, mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of doing a dollar to a business like Amazon that they get the tax dollars. I get it. It's a revenue deal. I'm a businessman. Yeah. I understand all of it. But at the same yeah. time, you're creating jobs. Great. You're rising up the mm-hmm. community. I agree. Mm-hmm. But at the mm-hmm. same time, what is it that you're doing? Like, is that building going to serve the community beyond that? And what happens mm-hmm. when that building gets automated and it's no longer creating jobs? And mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think the politicians, um, and I'm going to say it because they're mostly career politicians, which is unbelievable that in a country that I'm we here. never intended for career politics, we have created career politics. Career uh, politics, unfair. It's unfair. And I think that we overlook what is actually the real political decision here. I get it. Revenue and tax dollars matter. But if you mm-hmm. take the people in your community and you provide them with a building or a place that actually services them, it benefits your community mm-hmm. way more. And they go out and actually have jobs in the community, not necessarily Creating in the building. resources. Exactly. Absolutely. 
creating more resources. That's what it's all about. If you say that you're for the people, like if I hear another, you know, um, you know, uh, for the families and, you know, I, I can't, I, the campaigns are just driving me nuts. Like I don't even talk to them anymore. I'm, <laughs> like I'll do my own research. Like I'm just over it. I, who's really for the people? You've been a career politician. And when you say career politician, that means I've actually grown up with you. And if my life hasn't gotten any better, my neighbor's life hasn't, hasn't gotten any better, somebody needs to make a change. So it's either me, my vote, or you leaving office. And I agree with you. And right? Resigning. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're veering off topic. But I think it all, it all ties into, you know, um, people servicing people, entrepreneurship, right? Because if I can't get the, the funds that I need to start my business because this career politician isn't doing enough for my community, you know, people who have wonderful ideas but don't know how to start a business, they don't know how to get started, there's no resources for them, then why should I vote for you again? I agree with you 100% actually. In every way, I don't care which side you, know? you stand, sit on, I don't know, yeah. on what politics. Like, at some point, we're all human. And, um, yeah. And, and it's supposed to be about the people. So. Exactly. And this is where it's, it's about doing the right thing for your community. And it's about mm -hmm. you've got elected because these people believe in you. And the, right. it's almost an abuse of power because they've given you power and you don't do anything to give it back to them. Like that's the whole point of politics is to give power back to the people that elect it to yeah. elect you. Not everyone like first take care of your constituents, then take care of the whole. And I'm not saying go do something with your constituents that hurts the whole world. But I am saying that, mm -hmm. hey, like if you start doing good things in your community and with your own constituents, it can over time and it's a long time filter out into other places and maybe rise you up as a, a decent human uh, leader. Yeah. And I don't know. Career politics is hard for me because. I feel that it's, you know, it's like being in one business your entire life as an entrepreneur. You become very, I don't know, you have your blinders on. And if you don't get experience yeah. from multiple facets, it's hard to have a diverse understanding of the world. You don't get the exposure and the experience and education yeah. to the world that you're serving. And um, yeah, you and become uninspired. You yeah. become uninspired and you become stagnant. And then the work doesn't mean as much to you anymore. It's just a job. It just exactly. now becomes a job, right? That's that's why everything has to have purpose. You know what I mean? You you can't you can't fall short on those laurels and 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 feel like there's nothing else for me to do. There is always something. <laughs> there is always something to do. Something more. Yeah, always, every day. I agree with you. Yeah. So let's yeah. let's go from here. You you know you grow up in the pantry. You. Do you mm -hmm. stay there? Do you, you know, how do you get to a food truck? How do you get to into your own business outside yeah. of the family? Talk to me about that. Yeah. Like, what was that transition like? What were the steps? Well, let me mention this. So, um, one of the things I remember doing, um, being, a, um, as far as being an entrepreneur as a young girl, we were raising money for the the the, the food pantry or the building or some some need that the that the church needed and we would we were having a um a building fund and we were selling myself and some of the other kids were selling famous Amos chocolate chip cookies. Okay. And <laughs> 
I had my case of cookies. We all had a case of cookies and we would stand outside the church and as the cars are driving by, we, we're, my church building is close to a red light, a street light, right? So as it's the cars stop at the red light, stop at the traffic light, I'm walking up to the cars. Would you like to buy a famous famous chocolate chip cookie? I'm, I'm probably like seven or eight years old. My box is gone within... I can't even say. I think I went through maybe four or five boxes in a matter of time. And I and I did this. It was I did this because I remember I loved famous famous cookies, chocolate chip cookies. They were delicious. Absolutely. You know? agree. So it was easy for me. It was easy for me to sell them because I knew the product. <laughs> I believed in the product. And I wanted the people to understand how much I loved the product, how delicious they were. So people are, people saw my excitement and my enthusiasm and I was able to sell all the time. So I always I was always raising the most money with these things. So I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And something that I kind of remembered as I grew up, um, trying to figure out which direction I was going to go as far as my career was concerned. So I ended up going into real estate. I ended up working for Raymore and Flanagan, becoming one of the top salespeople in the, the New York region, you know, one of one of the five top salespeople in the region. And what, it, what I learned was what made me a, a good seller was the product. It had to be a product that I believed in. It had to be a product that I would would fall back on any given day. It is a product that I believe everybody should experience, you know? And when I figured that out, um, I tapped into the, my French fry dream. I'm telling you how much I love, like you and that McDonald's, you know, French fry, that dream you have, my dream was opening a french fry cart like a french like a hot dog stand um in new york are you familiar with those yeah absolutely new york new york hot dog stand yeah, i was like yeah. hmm, I, I wonder if i should do something like that i think i should open a uh, a french fry stand you know how am i going to do that and this vision this dream stuck with me for a long long time it was a reoccurring dream but i also talked myself out of it I talked myself out of it. I said, nobody's going to buy just French fries. Everybody's going to want a hamburger. They're going to want some chicken. They're going to want something. And I'm like, I don't, I, I don't feel the need. When I eat French fries, I don't need all of those things. I needed my French fries and my dipping sauce. And I was fine. I was satisfied. I was completely satisfied. I can eat as much as I want and I'd be satisfied. And I'm like, but nobody's going to buy. Nobody's going to do that. So That's what I, we all do, right? We all we all second guess ourselves. Like It's hard yeah. to just come up with an idea and just do it. I know that's what everyone says to do. And a lot of entrepreneurs all the way back from books mm -hmm. by Napoleon Hill. Uh, so yeah. like a, almost 100 years now, just do it. But as an entrepreneur, it's still hard. It's still hard to get over fears or whatever is there or, yeah, you know, you're not sure what other people think because you do understand as an entrepreneur and as a salesperson, I will say that not everyone likes what you like and a majority of humans don't like what you like. And it's, so it's a scary yeah. thing um, to make that venture, but go on. But, but, but the thing is, is I, I, I do believe that somebody's going to like what you like. 
<laughs> I agree. Somebody is going to like what you like. There are 8 billion people on this planet. All I need is like 100,000 of them, right? There you go. <laughs> Mo- yep. Multiplied by the amount of sales. Okay, so when you do the math, this is how I'm starting to think. I don't need everybody. Right. But what I do need to do, I need to share this dream because I couldn't shake it. I always believe that if something keeps working at you and and reoccurring in your mind, in your dream, you need to take action. There's something there telling you that something needs to be done. Right. And if it keeps coming to me, I'm, I'm like, that's God, that's universe saying, you know, this is this is your thing. This is something you love. This is your passion. This is your your service, right? Because not only do I get to do the thing that I love doing with the food that I love the most, I get to serve people. I get to share with people the things that I love. And those are the things that make me happy. That makes the selling point super easy. It makes it all make sense. And then it generates income. So I said, you know what? <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I agree 100%. I think when you you think you don't look, focus on the money at first, you focus on what your passion is and the dream and the food mm-hmm. itself and putting out a good product that that I mean don't that that people enjoy and that you know people enjoy. And I think then mm-hmm. from there, I agree with you. I the money starts to follow. Uh, it's the been money true follows. in every case I've ever had, and it doesn't always follow. That's the hard part is keeping it following, um, yeah. but it does follow, and especially, mm-hmm. and it will continue to follow to my point if you keep doing the right things and you keep staying true to yourself, and to your point, yeah. keeping interested and having a passion for what you're doing. Because once that stops, yeah. it's you know then the money's going to stop. Also, people don't realize yeah. the entrepreneur doesn't pass on that spirit to the employees or to the team members. It's hard to keep it going. But anyway, sorry, go keep going. I, I'm yeah. enjoying this very much. Oh, thank you. I'm I'm happy to be talking about it because nobody ever really. I never get to talk about it, right? And it and it helps me and revives me and reminds me of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Right. I'm while I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm thinking about the customer relationships that I have built. I'm thinking about Elaine. Let me tell you something about Elaine. Right. This is probably somebody else conversation probably would have like in like another 20, 30 minutes. But Elaine is an older, uh, older white woman. Elaine is probably late 60s, early 70s. Elaine walks with a little walker with that has a seat on it. When I pop up at the library, Brooklyn Public Library on Saturday, Elaine's food is ready because I know Elaine is coming every single Saturday. When I tell you Elaine is consistent, Elaine loves our food. She doesn't want anything else except our shrimp and fries with grandma's original dipping sauce and a few extra fries because she's not supposed to have fries, but she's going to be a bit of a glutton on Saturday, you know, because she loves Miss Buzz. This is what I do it for. People who really show their, their, their love for us and their commitment, they remind us that what we are doing, we're doing it right. We're doing a good thing. And we're making people happy. I love sharing my food. I love working with my customers. I love when when Elaine comes by and I love knowing her name. 
that is one of the most important things. I love getting to know my customers. I love being able to say, you know, Justin, the usual. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know what I mean? I love, I love saying their names, and they're happy. Like they're familiar. They're like, yeah, this is this is our spot. This is my girl. Like they love the familiarity, especially when they're bringing someone new. You know, it's that engagement, it's that relationship that's being built, and that really helps to sustain the business. Those relationships. Yeah, and when if I'm bringing someone and you're like, oh, hey, Justin, what, you having the usual? Oh, what does your friend want? You're made like I feel good because you recognize me. Also, you're recognizing me in front of my friend, which makes me feel good. And also, yeah. I've already have an emotional attachment to your food because I like it. Yeah. Number one, maybe it's triggered from my past, but it's now yeah. established with you, and I'm now aligned it with you. Uh, similar to Elaine, I believe you said her name was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now she comes every day, and now it's something she has emotional attachment to because it brings her joy and happiness every Saturday yes. at the Brooklyn Library, yes. Public Library. Yes. And um, I think that that emotional attachment to food that we have as humans is so important that mm-hmm. we we really take for granted how much happens during, when we eat every day and that emotional attachment mm-hmm. and how much impact and joy and happiness food can bring us on a daily basis, which I want to anchor back to your point on the pantry is if everyone has a full yeah. meal and has all the things that they need, it helps fight negativity, negative patterns. A lot of stuff that goes on outside the world can be fought simply by establishing that. It's one of the reasons, just so yeah. everyone knows, one of the reasons AA really took off across the country and helped alcoholics yeah. all over the world is because they offered coffee. It's that simple. Once they start offering coffee and donuts here and there and cookies, yeah. it brought everyone in because it was a place for food. Food made it feel safe. Coffee made it feel safe. Mm-hmm. It was also warm mm-hmm. and a place to get mm-hmm. nourishment. And that triggered, allowed the open mind to also gain nourishment, just like their body mm-hmm. was. And I just want yeah. everyone to emphasize it didn't work for everyone. Emotional attachment mm-hmm. doesn't happen to food for everyone. It's just a majority. I would say a yeah. lot. majority of the world sees food, has experiences, has memories in it, um, you know, maybe even the whole world. But yeah, um, I just wanted to anchor that because I think it's hugely important to this episode and just who you are and like what you're yeah. giving to the world as a whole human. I think it's pretty phenomenal. But anyway, with that being said, I think, you know, that now's a good uh, stopping point because we're, we've run out of time and um, we're going to have to do a part two uh, to continue to tell your story. And I really loved it. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. I can't believe how awesome this episode's been. I'm already like, what are we going to do? And, and part two and part three are going to be incredible because I have a feeling we're going to keep going here and and keep telling this amazing story that you have so thank you everyone for listening in I appreciate you guys Uh, you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs and if you're sitting on the couch and not wanting to go out and get food DoorDash is the app for you to use to get food delivered to your door so thank you everyone again I'm Justin Bizarro I'm your host that's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O I love you guys very much and we're out